It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box. The show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Guessman, coming to you on a Monday, December 14th, almost halfway done with the uh, the month of December, Christmas fast approaching. Uh, some, some news, some movement uh, around the league as MLS Cup wraps up. The season 2020 officially over. Everybody now prepping for 2021 with the expansion draft happening the day after we record this, so uh, probably the day that you're listening to it, if I could guess. Um, so that, we're going to talk a little bit about that, uh, maybe a little bit about MLS Cup and about uh, Seattle and maybe some comparisons to the LA Galaxy as well, and then uh, some touch up, a, a little touch on coaching. We'll see how all of that goes. To help me do all of it is the pan himself, Mr. Kevin Baxter. Kev, how's it going, buddy? Hey, happy Hanukkah, Josh. Hey, happy Hanukkah. Still, happy. still, still Hanukkah, right? Yeah, I, I believe so. Yes, it is. My, yeah. my next door neighbors are Jewish. They have their beautiful menorah. Uh, all set up, and I saw the candles lit tonight, so we're still still going strong. That's wonderful. I, I would like to point out, I got your Christmas card today. Um, oh, did you? Yes, and and my wife read it, and she she handed it to me immediately, rolled her eyes, and said, I bet you Kevin wrote this. He uh, did. He yeah, did. Yes, I was going to say the puns, even in his Christmas card, coming out strong for, for, for Mr. Kevin. I forget exactly what is, what what do you remember exactly what you said? No, it's something about the mask, though. It's a picture of of the of our dog yes. Chicharita, unfortunately, um, <laughs> didn't have a good year either, um, and she's wearing a mask, and it said something about. Uh, um, oh yeah, I can't. I'm gonna have my wife text it to me now. That's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna be like, go pull that Christmas card out and, and send it to me. I, I I forgot to even mention before we start recording that I got it. So, um, well, here's why why she's looking that up. Here's another. At some uh, longtime Galaxy fans may remember Tookney Wynn, who covered the team for the LA Daily News. Uh, for quite some time, well, a couple of years, a couple of seasons anyways. Now she works for us at the LA Times. So she wound up on my Christmas card list. And I had to call her for her address because she had just recently moved. And told she told me that this would be the first Christmas card, holiday card that she ever received. Oh, really? And that it was gonna, yes, and that it was going to go up on the refrigerator with the magnet. that up, uh, it, She's going to put it on the refrigerator so she can look at her dog every morning. But I, I was astounded. The first holiday card that she's ever received. Tukni is what was my uh, was my press box buddy. She used to sit next to me, and we used to talk about cookies. In fact, we still talk about cookies. So uh, anytime that we get uh, a chance on Twitter to cross paths for any certain reason, I ask about the cookies and the cookie situation. She is what awesome on Twitter, by the way. She's very entertaining on Twitter. I yeah, think. she's great. I, I, I really liked uh, liked sitting next to her, and I was sad that she moved on and progressed um, to uh, to a much bigger reporter than just covering the LA Galaxy and uh, and and Major League Soccer. So uh, she was awesome. Uh, let's see. Okay. Let's get to this. MLS Cup is over. Um, I would say, Kevin, uh, in my expert MLS voice, it was quite the upset uh, in in Columbus uh, with fans in the stadium. An exciting game, certainly. But I did not, and I would have bet a large sum of money, did not expect the Seattle Sounders to get absolutely played off the field by the Columbus crew, especially when you consider that Columbus was missing two very good players because of COVID-19. Darlington Nagby never even made the made the field because of a COVID-19 diagnosis. Um, and Pedro Santos, another one of their, I think they're assist leader. Um, yeah, he's their assist leader. And and the guy that, that took over, um, the teenager that took over for um, Nagby, this was only his third MLS start. 
it, it was nuts. It was, and he comes out. I mean, that that whole team came out uh, with their hair on fire. Win it three nothing. Um, you know, it was funny because certainly, listen, every game and every especially large game, whether it's a rivalry game, an MLS Cup, or anything else, has a narrative. Kevin, you know, certainly as as members of the press, we contribute to that narrative. Um, you know, there's there's stories to watch, and sometimes those stories can get pretty lopsided in terms of, you know, the coverage or the general understanding, especially the general feeling that everybody gets whenever you look at a team like Seattle, who really, I think, was the best team this year in Major League Soccer. People can argue that however you want. Um, but in in the regular season, in the quote-unquote, the irregular regular season um, that, that they played in, I thought Seattle was absolutely the team to beat. I thought they were going to go in there and just pound on Columbus. Um, and I was 100% totally wrong. Uh, Seattle absolutely just laid an egg in this game that was probably the worst game they played all season and they seem to have a history of this this is not surprising that seattle did not play well in an mls cup game now they have two and they were talking about winning three in four years which would have put them definitely in the question about dynasties um, and definitely would have put them in in the same level as as the la galaxy you know winning three in the last four years so all of those things would have been you know, ways that Seattle could have really up their their historic domination of, of what has been going on here recently in the league. Um, and if you go back and look at it, and somebody said it, you know, out of the, the three MLS Cups games that they played in the last four years, they scored in one of them. Uh, they've been shut out the other two times. And in one of those, they didn't have a shot on goal. They still ended up winning uh, in a shootout that was against Toronto. And I forget which year it was, but it was, it was one of those years. Um, it came through. So, I mean, Seeing Seattle not play well in an MLS Cup and not do and do that consistently in terms of consistently not showing up in an MLS Cup, Kevin, really puts I think a different spin on what their legacy is going to be and whether or not this is the end of it or not. Uh, but but it, it it certainly colors it in a different shade than than maybe what the LA Galaxy did in their three wins in four years. No, it doesn't match what the Galaxy did, but I'm not ready to give up on Seattle yet. I, I like them. I really like their coach, Brian Smetzer, who, by the way, is out of contract now and should be on the short list of people the Galaxy are at least going to talk to. Um, but I'm not going to give up on them right now because uh, one thing that was interesting, I did talk to Brian Smetzer earlier in the season, and he told me uh, about the playoffs that you know it, it kind of is part of their season. They don't look at it like as a second tournament. They, you know, When they look at the calendar, they look at MLS Cup and they just – sort of assume that they're going to be in the hunt to go there. So they should be much better in big games than they are. They've been there before. They've done that. They've won rings. Um, this was their fourth MLS Cup final in five seasons. As you said, they've won two. They lost two. So they don't you know, match what Bruce did with the Galaxy with three titles in four years. But, uh, you know, the the venue, I think, had something to do with it. And I don't I don't mean to make excuses. They, they don't need me making excuses for them. But – when you look back at there was a game, we talked about this, I think, last week. There was a game that wasn't played. Colorado should have come to uh, Seattle to play a game. Seattle probably would have won that game. They were 7-1-2 and two at home, uh, lost just one game. Colorado, with the uh, COVID infection, did not play that game. That game was canceled. Uh, that would have been three points for Seattle. If they had played that game and won, they would have finished with 42 points. As it was, they finished with 39 points. So Colorado, or excuse me, Columbus, which finished with 41 points, they wound up getting home field advantage. They got home field advantage at MLS Cup final because players in the Rapids got COVID. That's what it comes down to. They didn't play that game, and so um, Columbus got the home field advantage. Columbus was only lost once at home this season. They were winless on the road. 
So, you know, it's just, it, that's how close this, I know Seattle played a terrible game, but it might've been a different game had they played in Seattle on the turf. Seattle has not lost in regulation in the playoffs at home since 2013. Um, they were again, seven, one and two at home. It might've been a little bit different. Um, but, you know, I think Seattle's regular season dominance, you know, over the course of an eighth, eighth month season over the last five years with Brian Smetzer, he, he's averaging 1.78 points per game uh, over the last five seasons as a coach. That's the best mark of any MLS manager that's managed more than 70 games. So uh, Seattle is going to continue to be good if Brian Smetzer comes back. Um, they do need to figure out, as you mentioned, they do need to figure out this big game issue, especially finishing. They can't score in the MLS Cup final, and that seems to be a real problem. I, it, but again, you know, when you look at the regular season versus the playoffs, I do think soccer gets to be a lot like hockey the further you go in the playoffs, that, that teams play not to make mistakes and not to concede goals rather than to score goals. And that's why we've seen so many playoff games wind up going to a shootout, you know, go to penalty kicks because – teams are playing not to lose rather than to win as they do in the regular season. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's certainly an interesting uh, uh, take on that. I thought uh, I was talking to the hammer while the the game was going on and you, and, and he made a comment uh, and I, I don't think I'm taking it out of context and in, in just how we were talking. And he was talking about how Seattle on turf is a different monster. Right. And, and that's, that's something that I think is more shade and that wasn't meant for shade for Eric. But when I heard it, that was shade in terms of if you really want to throw a damper on, on all the things that Seattle has accomplished, take them away from turf. And, and that's not great turf up there. It's football turf, not soccer turf. Um, you know, and they can, they can say how good it is up and down and, you know, up and down the, the, the street as much as they want, but the games there play different, uh, and they've looked different. And when that happens and when you take Seattle away from, you know, that in these big games, I, I think it hurts them. Um, and so, you know, seeing that and, and seeing them playing Columbus and by the way, you know, Columbus had fans too, we should point out, um, there, Kevin, which was a, a, a fun, uh, addition. About 1500, I, I think I think it was limited to 1500. Yeah. Well, it wasn't a ton. Uh, it wasn't a ton. You're outside. And for the most part, I'm, I'm usually okay with that. Um, so, you know, all that stuff being said, it, it was just an interesting game. It was fun as a neutral to watch it. I did not expect to see Columbus win three, nothing. Oh, by the way, when Columbus was up two nothing, I said, call me whenever Seattle ties it with 10 minutes left, because I was sure that it was going to happen the same way as Minnesota did. I was not, uh, I was not a believer, um, but, but Seattle never turned it on. So uh, for an MLS cup and a way to wrap up that 2020 season, um, I will say it was a, it was a good way to do it. I'm glad it's over. I'm glad the season is over. Um, it's a, it's a crazy little season and there's tons of question marks as we highlighted on Thursday night with all the union talk uh, and Bob Foos talking about, you know, the MLS Players Association and how they're not on the same page with MLS and Don Garber and Don Garber's state of the league address. And we went over all that. So if you missed that on Thursday, head on over there and, and take a look at that. But it's just it's a very interesting time in Major League Soccer uh, to see how you turn the page so late, by the way, uh, very late in December. Uh, and now we're approaching basically the the all the drafts and everything that are supposed to be happening for Austin to come into the uh, to the league as well. Yeah, so and, and before you get away from that, now that you mentioned Austin, one thing that was really interesting about this MLS Cup final and the fact that it was in Columbus after I just made the argument that maybe it shouldn't have been there. Um, this was a really special game because it was three years ago now this month that uh, Anthony Perkart bought uh, the team and uh, announced that he was going to move it to, maybe it was two years ago, he was going to move the team to Austin 
and the, the people in Columbus, the crew supporters, the city, uh, the, all the people in the city, you know, government, the local government officials, they were all totally surprised by that. And, and MLS had already signed off on the idea of moving the team to Austin. The supporters fought back. The supporters in the city of Columbus refused to let the team go. It was but those of the people who don't remember how that went down. It was really amazing. The whole save the crew campaign. Um, MLS finally had to step in and um, grant an expansion franchise for Austin and then have the team, the Columbus crew, sold to the owners of the Cleveland Browns who promised to keep the team in Columbus. They're building a new stadium now. I mean, it's a it's a great, great, uh, you know, feel good story. And they cap it off by winning MLS Cup. I mean, that's that, that's a pretty amazing story. The, the, the supporters not allowing the team to go. And then, again, you know, if you go back and you believe in, in, in uh, you know, in, in karma and all that kind of stuff, the fact that the game was played in Columbus when, you know, it could have, should have maybe been played in Seattle. It was played in Columbus. It was played in front of fans. They didn't play in front of fans all season. This was something that happened just, I think, in the postseason. I don't think they played – many if any regular season games in front of fans so this was a great thing to celebrate for the fans of columbus who stood up and refused to let their team go when when can you uh, has that ever happened before where the supporters just absolutely say you cannot take our team away from us no i mean uh, i'm sure there's some examples of that and, and far off reaches I, I don't remember any you know off the top of my head but i mean you also go back and the first soccer specific stadium there matt Free. Um, was was in the league. It was the first one ever to have, you know, first Major League Soccer team to ever have a, a soccer-specific stadium. And that was the last game that got played there as well, right? So you get to ride off into the sunset knowing that an MLS Cup was won there. That was the last time. That was it. And they're going to open their new stadium next year down in downtown Columbus. I mean, there, there's a whole bunch of of really fun things to look at. And I, it was funny because I was watching, you know, they were sort of showing highlights of different things and they showed the 2008 MLS cup, which is when Columbus beat the New York Red Bulls at a home Depot center at the time. And uh, if you were a season ticket holder in 2008, they gave you tickets to the MLS cup because they need people to go there. Cause some all the, all the traveling fans wouldn't fill that place all the way up. And it wasn't, it was a neutral site every year um, to, to do that. And so that 2008, I remember I was there. I watched that day as, Siggy Schmidt's Columbus crew beat the New York Red Bulls. Uh, Guillermo Led Bar- by who? Uh, Guillermo yeah. Barra um, who for, for the Columbus crew. Um, so there was, I mean, that was interesting to see. That was one. That was the first MLS Cup I ever went to. And then 2009, I was at the next one when the LA Galaxy took on uh, Real Salt Lake up in Seattle. Uh, and then you go to like 2011, you know, was at that one. 2012 was at that one. 2014 was at that one. I've, I've had quite a string of MLS Cups uh, by uh, just by being in the right place uh, geographically, I, I imagine. But uh, seeing all that and, and just putting that into perspective, um, one, it made me feel old that I had looked back and said, oh, 2008, yeah, I was there uh, for that. And then uh, just sort of seeing where Columbus is going, and it looks like they're in uh, in good hands. And uh, with Caleb Porter, I mean, we Kevin, you and I talked about it. Caleb Porter was almost the coach of the LA Galaxy. Um, was at the Laker game, was was ready to pull the trigger on that. And however that didn't happen and however that fell apart, the bottom line is he's with Columbus now and he just won an MLS Cup. And you can put all sorts of different caveats on it. Um, but, you know, the best argument, and it's one I don't necessarily uh, subscribe to, but it is that with the wackiness and craziness of this year, the effort to win an MLS Cup in this crazy nuts year is, is something that can still be special and still be, um, you know, uh, acknowledged. Let's put it that way. And Caleb Porter is the is the is the owner of that MLS Cup right now with the Columbus Crew. 
So who do you like next year? Let's look ahead. Who do you think is going to be in the MLS Cup next year? I think... Let's talk about who's not going to be in MLS Cup next year. Can I do that? Because that that's, that's I don't think Seattle. You got to go through twenty four teams. Yeah, yeah I'm, 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 there's going to be a lot of them. Uh, I don't think Seattle is going to be there. Um, really, I, I okay. think that I think that their time is is approaching in terms of the reload that they're going to have to make and the things they're going to have to do. They're still a very good team. And Bruce Arena was always very good at reloading and keeping it going. Let's see if Brian Schmetzer stays there and whether or not he can reload the way that I think that Seattle might have to do it. But of course, uh, I mean, that, that really falls to, to Langerway, the general Lagerway, manager. Yeah, I mean, Lagerway yeah. has to get involved with that. But I mean, Schmetzer as well. I mean, those two work hand in hand if he's yeah. still the coach there. I mean, that's a big question going in. It, I think that if he's not the coach there, then them coming back is even more of a reach just trying to get all those things in there. Um, I don't think the LA Galaxy will be in MLS Cup next year. Uh, I think there's too many holes for them to plug and they have to hit too many right things and they don't even have a head coach right now. So, um, you know, those types of things. Um, Go back and look at other teams that don't have a coach right now. Atlanta. Do you see Atlanta suddenly getting back to an MLS Cup? They're going to be healthier. they will have Joseph Martinez back. That's going to help a lot. Yeah, I was going to say that 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 helps, but uh, they're looking for a coach, and whether or not that coach can come in and do and pull off magic, much like Tata Martino. But the expansion teams. I mean, you know, if you're betting on it, how good is Austin going to be? Is Austin going to be a team that comes out like a Seattle, which never skipped a beat whenever they joined at Major League Soccer, or is Austin going to have problems like Miami? Uh, is Austin going to have problems like Cincinnati? Is Austin going to have problems like Minnesota was whenever they first joined as well? Um, so, I like Austin. They have their whole defense back, which we know is great, including the goalkeeper. Wait, you, they, mean, you mean Nashville or Austin? Nashville. Nashville. I'm sorry, Nashville. Yeah, yeah. Um, they have the whole back line back and the goalkeeper. You know, were fantastic. Less than a goal a game. They know what they need. They need a goal scorer. There's some some names out there they can go after this year. So, I mean, they know what the need is. That's always very helpful going into the offseason. Unfortunately, they're going to stay in the Eastern Conference. And my Eastern Conference pick is Bruce Arena and the New England Revolution. I mean, it's hard to bet against Bruce Arena, right? That's that's one of those that it, it's probably uh, probably not a wise thing to do. So you see that? I mean, you have to think Columbus is going to be a better team again with Porter um, and another year and just how they've been going around things. So, I mean, there's lots of things you can you can sort of look at there. Let's get to the expansion draft, though, because that's really we're talking about Austin. Okay. Um, Austin is going to come into the league. They're going to join the Western Conference. We talked about this on Thursday that Nashville will stay in the Eastern Conference. That gives the Eastern Conference 14 teams and i believe it gives the western conference 13 teams so we're going to be odd man out there for a season um and then i think sacramento comes in and uh, and ties that all up so um that'll be that'll be even stevens again so we'll uh, we'll see how that all plays out but austin comes in now uh much like the expansion drafts of of old there kevin uh there are rules uh austin can take a total of five players uh each team was allowed to protect 11 players with uh the generation adidas players and and homegrown players automatically being protected in fact they're not really even protected they're just not eligible in the draft um, at all so galaxy get to keep those generation ideas and homegrown players um, you know with there that means that you didn't have to protect guys like Efrain Alvarez you didn't have to protect guys like Eric Lopez like Cameron Dunbar like Jonathan Perez and Ethan Zubak because they're all homegrown players and you don't need to protect those guys so well, and these these rules are so stupid in MLS you can't follow them it, it, it is true I believe that if a player is selected from your team uh, of the players that you left unprotected, if one player is selected, then then you're, you're out of the draft. Yeah. You can't. Yeah. And teams um, that had like LAFC that had a player selected last year by Inter Miami, teams that had players selected last year also do not have to. Uh, right. Their players are not part of this draft, right? Yeah. Yeah. So so the reason that they say that is that basically they're calling Austin 
the continuation of the expansion from last year. They grouped these together. They did it whenever LAFC uh, came into the league as well, and they grouped them together and say, well, you're exempt for, and it's usually like two years, that type of thing, um, just because of how they talk about um, the expansion. And so basically they're saying, you know, teams that had players selected in 2019 are exempt and anybody who was basically in that 2019 expansion draft as well are, are exempt. So Atlanta United, FC Cincinnati, Columbus Crew, LAFC, Minnesota United, New England Revolution, New York City FC, Portland Timbers, Seattle Sounders, and Sporting Kansas City are all exempt from the expansion draft. No players can be picked. And, you know, and whenever you go to all the rest of the team, we're not talking about a whole bunch of players. We, we mentioned it already, Kevin. You can only pick five players. Five players total and only one from each team. So really, there's only going to be five teams who get, I think, their $50,000 in allocation money um, from Austin or from the league for this expansion draft. And Austin gets a whole bunch of allocation money, um, and they're able to go out and, and spend that money however they want. So it used to be that I think teams could pick like 10 players um, each. I mean, it wasn't that long ago. Maybe it was eight players. Um, um, you know, not too long ago, and now it's down to five and a whole bunch of extra allocation money uh, to to sort of bring people well, in. It, it, explain people uh, the strategy for this because we were talking about this before we we started recording, and I'm looking at this list and I'm saying, well, you know, the most successful teams in recent expansion years. I'm talking about Nashville, LAFC. They started by by building their team around defense. Uh, you know, LAFC, their first trade was to get Walker Zimmerman. Uh, and and they got uh, Simon uh, as well in, in that first group of players. And then, it, you know, we know Nashville with Dave Romney and Walker Zimmerman. They built defense first. So when you're looking through this list of players, I see players like Clement Diop. Um, you know, that might be a guy you want to go after. A.J. De La Garza is in there. Might be a little bit expensive because he's a veteran. But you were telling me that you want to get five picks those aren't the guys that you want to pick because you think they're going to be available anyways. Yeah. I mean, so you have to look at it and we go back to what let's look at the, let's talk about the LA galaxy real quick. Um, the LA galaxy left unprotected. So these are the players who are available in this expansion draft. Uh, goalkeeper, David Bingham, midfielder, Joe Corona, uh, midfielder, Emil Cuello, defender, Rolf Felcher, um, Yoni Gonzalez, who's on loan and is not coming back. Uh, Giancarlo Gonzalez, people, Gonzalez, Emiliano and Sua, Perry kitchen, uh, Jorgen Shelvick. Oh, that, We'll talk Surprise. Yeah, I was going to say we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, Justin Vomstieg and Gold Gordon Wild. Now, um, when you look at that and you say, well, who are the guys who are out of contract? Um, you could say, well, Joe Corona is, was an option declined. Emiliano and Sua was an option declined. Uh, Jonathan Klinsman, who was protected by the LA Galaxy, as a matter of fact, is an option decline. Um, Emil Cuello is an option decline. Gordon Wilde is an option decline. Yoni Gonzalez is an option decline. And Perry Kitchen, David Bingham, and Rolf Felcher are all out of contract, with Perry Kitchen and David Bingham being free agents this year or eligible for free agency. All right. And then you have the loans ending with basically Christian Pavone. His loan is ended. Um, you have uh, Carlos Harvey. His loan is ended. Um, so you look at the so the guys that they left unprotected, guys like Perry Kitchen and David Bingham, who are free agents, you're probably not going to pick those guys up in the expansion draft. One is because you can probably talk to them and say, hey, we'd like you to come to Austin and hey, David Bingham, we want you to be our goalkeeper and we think this is a great way for, for this to happen and so you're a free agent. Why don't we just make a deal on free agency and, and make this happen? Uh, basically, what they would be getting is a chance to sign the free agent with by offering them a contract, Kevin, but being their free agents, there's no, there's no guarantee that they have to stay with that team. So 
Austin could pick David Bingham and then Bingham goes, uh, I'm a free agent, so I'm going to go wherever I want anyway. So there's no point in, in sort of showing that. So the galaxy know what they're doing with that as well. So everybody's immediately assuming, and I saw a bunch of assumptions here, Kevin, was that, oh, well, they picked, they, they, they protected Jurgen or Jurgen. See, I was going to do it. They're protected Jonathan Klinsman. Um, so that means that he's going to be the new number one and they didn't protect David Bingham. So that means that he's gone and he's never coming back. And I would just prep, press the pause on all that, which it doesn't mean either of those things. Um, mostly because Klinsman has his, had his option declined. And while I think they're going to negotiate with him and bring him back and the sign that they protected him sort of says that at least, um, or at least indicates that it might be going in the direction. The same cannot be said about David Bingham. David Bingham's a free agent. He could stay Kevin, which means that if he's a free agent and he wants to stay because all of a sudden Dominic Kinnear becomes the head coach and Dominic Kinnear becoming the head coach means that David Bingham probably is going to get the start, um, you know, for the, for the galaxy and goalkeeper, because those two have worked together for a long time, then that could all happen. So don't just read these and say immediately, Oh, well that means these guys are gone. Um, it just means that the LA galaxy are certainly aware of what Austin is looking for and certainly aware of what the rules are. Um, whenever you look at these different people, does that make sense? Yeah, and you liked one name on this list. If you were Austin, just one guy you said you'd go after, or yeah, at least consider. Yeah, I would consider. I think the it, when you look at, you know, between Bingham and Corona and Cuello and Felcher and Yoni Gonzalez and People Gonzalez and Ensua and Kitchen and Shelvick and Vom Stieg and Wild, it, when you look at all those, there's one there that although we, we don't know exactly how much he makes, we know that he's a good player and could be a good midfielder for Austin to sort of build around. That's Joe Corona. Um, Joe Corona is a is a guy who, um, while his option was declined by the LA Galaxy, um, and they're still negotiating with him, it could be somebody that that Austin could go in and say, "Hey, maybe that makes a whole bunch of sense for us." Um, it also could be that that they look at this and you know. Emil Cuello is not somebody you're going to pick up the expansion draft, Kevin, you know, and he's, he's uh, option decline straight up. They're not, Emil Cuello is not coming back to the LA galaxy. So if Austin wants him, they can just go out and get him, and he can sit on their bench uh, whenever they have him. Um, you know, it, it's a bunch of these guys like Rolf Felcher. Do you really think that Austin's going to waste one of five expansion draft picks on Rolf Felcher, who is probably not going to be back with the LA galaxy uh, in 2020 or excuse me, in 2021. Um, and probably isn't the piece that Austin is, suddenly looking for he's got a green card which makes him you know at least a little more palatable and he's not super expensive but with these five picks you're trying to look for i would imagine some sort of impact so you're not going to have guys like that and you know yanni gonzalez well that dude that dude's not even here anymore all right and he's not going to be back to mls this next year it doesn't seem so you're not going to pick up to the rights to the guy whose loan basically ended and is gone the, the guy that i might consider would be in sua but uh, again you know I, I, I we don't know what his price is um, I thought he had a great season, but you know, you keep pointing out the five picks. I think with those five picks, you really want to go with the spine, you know, a striker, center midfielder, holding midfielder, center back, maybe a goalkeeper if you can get one. I think Insu is a really good player, but I don't think as an outside back, you're an impact player that you want to waste one of your five picks on. Maybe he's a guy that if he's still available, you talk to later. Um, you know, there's a lot of other outside backs that are or that are available as well. But I don't know whether he's one of, as you keep saying, you get five picks. Is that, do you want to use one of those guys on an outside back? 
Yeah, it's, I mean, and listen, I think Ensua is higher on the list than a lot of these other ones. I mean, Perry Kitchen, you could sit there and say, hey, maybe Perry Kitchen makes some sense. But again, but free agent. Free agent. And so here's the rule with free agents, and I'll read it directly from the league. It says, um, option decline free agents and out of contract free agents, uh, not automatically protected. Um, are eligible for selection. If a free agent is selected in the expansion draft, the expansion club that selected the player will gain his previous club's ability to negotiate a new contract consistent with the CBA. The player's 2020 club would be treated as a new club for the purposes of the free agency rules, right? So, I mean, they, they get a chance to offer him a contract, but again, it's a free agency. And according to the CBA, as a free agent, he doesn't have to accept that. Um, what they could do is like, if he goes out of the league or that type of thing, they could retain his rights. But for the most part, again, with five picks, you don't want to get somebody who you retain their rights to. Um, and, and all these things matter in terms of salary. I mean, the one thing that we, we've already mentioned, Kevin, is that the expansion clubs get additional allocation money. In fact, it's a lot of additional allocation yeah, money. More than a million now. Yeah. And so, so because of that, uh, some of the guys who have higher salaries, perhaps let's say Perry Kitchen wasn't a free agent and that you wanted to go, you could go after him knowing that maybe his his price tag is a little inflated in Major League Soccer. Um, you know, I think at 480 or 475, if I remember correctly, from then that was from the previous year, from 2019. Um, so, so or in that in that general range, maybe that maybe it's 425. I'm I'm doing it off the top of my head. Um, but having said that, you look at that and say, well, maybe that's that's too much for most teams. But with a team with extra allocation money, perhaps that makes sense to put him in the midfield. And that is a spine player, as you were sort of looking at. Um, I don't think. Again, I think Corona is the only one where I sit there and go, that makes a ton of sense, or at least it makes some sense. Uh, the rest of these are, are, are throwaways in terms of wild, you know, was never coming back to the LA Galaxy. So if Austin wants them, they can just pick them up. I mean, Jorgen Shelvick is certainly the interesting one, Kevin. And I got everybody asking again, you know, is Jorgen Shelvick still on the team? Yes. Jorgen Shelvick is still on the LA Galaxy roster. And because he was not listed on the option declines, and because he's not listed as actually a rostered player by the LA Galaxy in Major League Soccer, and he's not out of contract, that indicates to all of us that he is now on the fourth year of his contract. Um, and I don't know that it ends after 2021. People keep asking, and I don't know, because we thought it would have been over last year after two years. Uh, excuse me, after two years, we thought it was over, and then we were told it was three years, and then all of a sudden, he stays on again, so that means his contract now is through four years. There's no like way. A, There's no way. Like a, Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, it's like a bottomless cup of coffee at Denny's. You know, they just keep refilling it. He's just going to keep being coming back. Yeah, I was going to say, it's only been one year of Jorgen Shelvick, really. It's just lasted for four years so far. So Jorgen Shelvick is technically a member of the LA Galaxy. He's just on loan. Um, and it doesn't look like that loan is coming back anytime soon. Uh, so we will see if it was just a four-year deal or if it was a five-year deal. Um, and maybe it was a six-year deal. I mean, if it goes through five years, Kevin, I'm not sure I can... You know, Jorgen Shelvick is going to be on this team till 2030. Um, and, and I just, I don't know when they're ever going to get rid of them, but the, the thing to understand about that is, and I'm told is the LA galaxy have received full cap relief for Jorgen Shelvick. So it's not like he hits the roster anymore in terms of his financials. But having said that he is still, I mean, to understand the level that the LA galaxy hit with this is they gave him at least a four year deal as of right now. And this is for a guy who, who never showed really any, 
any positives um, or very few positives with the LA Galaxy. Maybe it was the coaching changes. Maybe it was all those things. Maybe you can't really pin this on Jorgen Shelvick. Um, but at the same time, I didn't see anything that told me that he was just being used inconsistently um, w- with any of those things. You know what else is interesting about this is I think the expansion drafts about midday our time tomorrow. So it's three o'clock, three p.m. Yes. because it's six p.m. Eastern time, which is you know sort of I guess uh, they're going prime time for all of this. Oh, yeah, I'm going to tune in and watch that. Um, so basically, if you're tuning in Tuesday night, all this is moot anyways. Yeah, it, it is. Um, MLSsoccer.com, the MLS app, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube will all be carrying the five selections by Austin ooh, FC. Ooh, I know. Ooh. Lots of lots of Exciting. fun stuff. I don't know. I don't, I don't want else to tell you. Um, yeah, the How three, are they going to do it? They're going to have like an envelope or is the commissioner going to get up there with a hat and a jersey and... Well, I mean, so so that's the funny thing is you know that Austin already before that show starts, Kevin, we know that um, that it's that they already have all five picks because they're not picking against anybody else. So it's not like their players can can disappear or anything like that. You know what I mean? I mean, it's not like somebody. Oh well, we changed our mind. It's like, well, why'd you change your mind? I mean, when you're looking yeah. at players, you know, you you do this and you have your five. And my guess is, by the time they go to bed tonight, which they're probably already asleep, uh, they already have their five players picked. Uh, the the lists have been put out there. They probably kind of figured out who that was going to be. And if they don't have them picked, then they have until six p.m. Eastern time to pick them tomorrow. I mean. It's five. You have a list of, you know, a, a quite lengthy list of players, but at the same time, you know the positions you're probably targeting. And it's unlikely that anybody's protections or non protected players was a huge surprise to you. Like, oh, well, well that changes everything. Um, yeah. that, that's probably unlikely. I would imagine that Austin has been doing their homework on who they think was going to be available for, you know, the last year. Um, so we'll, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. But the, uh, the expansion draft t- kicks off on Tuesday. I was going to say there's also other drafts coming up in the re-entry draft and a whole bunch of other stuff that is going on. The re-entry draft is interesting because as of right, as of right now, and this is certainly a little bit of a change in what I've seen and it it doesn't make a whole bunch of sense to me right now. Um, But I was going through, um, you know, just a list of players here, Kevin, and and look at the list of players and the reentry available, dra- uh, re- the LA Galaxy list of reentry draft eligible players, um, you know, shows Emil Cuello on it, Emiliano and Sua, uh, Gordon Wild, Joe Corona is on there, Jonathan Klinsman is on there. Um, these were guys that basically, if the LA Galaxy don't come to agreements with, um, could possibly be picked up in in the reentry draft eligible, um, you know, players. That also includes Christian Pavone on there as well. Um, it's just an interesting little twist, and I would imagine that they have to be listed on there um, because of you know the loans ending and sort of uh, the the way that they're going, and that it's unlikely anybody would be picking them up or that the LA Galaxy would pick them up. Uh, my guess is that that contracts have to be done here rather quickly, and so these reentry draft eligible players, uh, it'll be interesting to sort of see how this all uh, plays out here in the next uh, couple weeks um, as we try to figure out all these different drafts and all the mechanisms for for moving players around so uh if everybody slept through the the sunday the 13th um that was the half day trade window that was yesterday um no no moves oh, by the other yeah i know i know it was that it was i think it was from like 9 to 12 or something like that. it was really quick um but some teams made moves uh the la galaxy did not hence why we are not talking about any of them but just a lot of different weird and wacky uh drafts coming up kevin and by the way, that trade window is that's the, the when you announce the trade, I suppose, because 
the, a lot of those trades were already done, and we knew about some of them, like the Marco Farfan trade of Portland to uh, L.A. We we knew all about that days before that was announced. So the trade window is probably really just a trade announcement window. And by the way, I fully admit that I'm stupid and have a very short attention span, but I can't follow all this stuff going on with MLS. I mean, it seems to me that other sports leagues, basketball, the NFL gets a little bit complicated sometimes with franchise tags and stuff. But baseball, hockey, it seems to me to be a lot more straightforward. I mean, we have the expansion draft. We have the re-entry draft. We have the free agency period. Then we have the super-duper-duper draft. Um, There's just way too many mechanisms uh, and difficult rules, uh, you know, that that hovers over all this MLS player movement. Are you confused by this stuff? Do you think it would be better if they simplified it so that fans and, and morons like me can understand it and know what's going on? Yeah, I mean, you know, most of these these rules Kevin really put into place because of Major League Soccer trying to restrict the movement of of, of players. I mean, and and try to tamp down the competition between teams, and really try to hold up the single entity side of things from Major League Soccer, which is which is humorous because if you know anything about the earlier years of the league, is that they survived a lawsuit that was brought out brought about basically saying that you know they they that they weren't acting as a single entity that there was competition and that you know they shouldn't be allowed to uh, to to survive this antitrust lawsuit basically, um, and now we've seen things that would certainly indicate that MLS has teams that compete against each other for players uh, with free agency. That is exactly what is happening. So the single entity model and that argument starts to disappear a little bit, but you still have remnants of it. I mean, you know, the re-entry drafts is basically a way to do player movement without allowing the player much freedom in that movement, right? It's a it's a list of players that um, teams can pick up if you go in. A, it's just another draft, but it's a way for players who are out of uh, out of contract or, or out of options um, at one team to be able to move around the league and do different things. Um, so that re-entry draft, I believe, is coming up on December 17th. Um, so it's it's rapidly approaching as well. And we should see, you know, if there's any LA Galaxy players who move. I really think that we're missing something on these uh, on this re-entry list with Christian Pavone being listed there, Kevin. Um, the more I keep studying it, and it was one of those things, I looked at it earlier and I sort of said, oh yeah, here are the list of players. Oh yeah, it's Christian Pavone. And oh yeah, that makes a whole bunch of sense, except it, it doesn't right now. Um, basically, it's saying that anybody could pick up his rights in this re-entry draft. Um, it's basically saying the LA Galaxy are allowing him to go to that. Maybe they have to because they don't have a contract with him and that contract hasn't been signed, but it's really interesting to me whether or not there could be an issue, Kevin, uh, with the LA Galaxy. I mean, imagine Austin decides that they're going to go for, or you know, in the re-entry draft, which I believe Austin might get one of the first ones. Um, but imagine that first one that they go and pick up Christian Pavone. The LA Galaxy would lose the rights to Christian Pavone, even I believe if they signed a contract with him. So anyway, there's some there's some confusion there for sure, Kevin, and we're seeing that um, certainly in this. And it's just it, these are all just mechanisms to move. I don't like them. I wish that they would just go to free agency or restricted free agency or something of those nature. That would certainly work for me. Um, but what we're seeing right now um, is just sort of the remnants of old MLS com- sort of bashing heads with with new MLS. I, I, well, I, yeah. I mean, like I said, I fully admit that I'm a moron, but I don't think you should have an advanced labor, uh, you know, uh, be a, a labor lawyer to understand how all this stuff works. And there are so many 
mechanisms for players to move around that, um, you know, like you said, here's a guy, Christian Pavone, led the team in scoring and assists, one of the best players in the league for a while, we thought, an MVP candidate. And he shows up on this list, and you, who study this stuff for a living, don't understand why. Now, if you don't understand why, you know, Joe Sixpack, the, the supporter who is trying to get into soccer and wants to understand a little bit more about it and is maybe a Galaxy fan and, you know, wants to, to figure this league out, that person has no shot. And and that hurts the league because, I mean, think about all the times you talk about, oh, how the Lakers going to build themselves this year, how they're going to replace this guy or that guy or who's available um, it, it's pretty straightforward, I think, in most of the other sports. It gets a little complicated, as I said, in the NFL sometimes. But uh, you just can't figure this MLS stuff out. I, I just, I just kind of throw my hands up and sit back and say, "Wake me when the roster is put together, and we'll go from there." Yeah, it's it, it's not it's not easy, nor is it um, nor is it one of those things um, that can sort of uh, be explained easier. I, I guess in, in a lot of ways, it, it certainly bumps up this podcast where we're able to explain some of it. Um, you are, you yeah. are, I'm listening to you. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm sure. Um, it's just the, I, I don't know. There's some things that just don't make sense. And so you can look at Christian Pavone being listed on the reentry draft. And that is a red flag to me in terms of, okay, d- is this already over Kevin? The, you know, this, this feels like it might already be over. Uh, in terms of uh, Christian Pavone going to the LA Galaxy or, or, or staying with Boca Juniors. And if the Galaxy are, are able, again, because there's no contract, it may have to happen. Um, maybe there's a gentleman's agreement that nobody's going to pick him up because this is just one of those weird, wacky, you know, MLS ways of doing things. Um, but for whatever it is, it's at least a confusing enough to me to try to try to second guess or, or say anything. Um, I would hope that the LA Galaxy would figure out, you know, a solution to this whole Pavone question conundrum. Um, but as of right now, um, if everything goes through and there's a waiver draft and somebody picks up Christian Pavone, uh, you can basically assume that that deal is dead and that Christian Pavone is not coming back to the LA Galaxy nor MLS. Um, so just some some really interesting little tidbits there. Yeah, and I just w- I would just like to see it be a little more transparent because I think the fans would enjoy. You don't have those conversations like, hey, the Galaxy were really smart or Seattle, you know, those guys don't know what they're doing. But you can't have those conversations because you don't understand the rules. Did you see uh, did you see the the quotes uh, attributed to uh, to Mino? Um, That's I did. Yeah. Let's talk about that real quick. Uh, Basically, and I'll paraphrase just because I was just thinking about it and I forgot to, to pull it up. Um, I'll try to search for it. As I, well. I do have the, I do have the, 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 the I think the quote that you're talking about where he says, uh, this is again, Salatan's agent saying, I regretted bringing him to MLS. It was a waste of time there. Yeah. Um, so the, the spin on that is everybody said uh, MLS wasted Zlatan's time. Uh, but really, that's Mino saying that Mino feels that his time was wasted bringing Zlatan to Major League Soccer, not Zlatan saying that he wasted his time in Major League Soccer. Um, it, it's interesting. Uh, it's a good it's a good shot to the to the lower extremities for for a guy um, who likes to take shots at everybody on a regular basis. I mean, Mino's never not in the press, never not talking. Um, the guy probably doesn't shut up. So it's certainly an interesting take. Uh, I, I chuckled at it whenever I saw it and, and looked at it. And uh, I don't know if Zlatan would feel the same way. I 
feel I feel like I think there would be some frustration with Zlatan Ibrahimovic and his time in Major League Soccer, but I don't know if he would see it as wasting his time because uh, certainly the work that he did in MLS was able to sort of prove that he was back and good to go and was able to get back with AC Milan, and he's one of the best strikers in the world um, so far this year and has at least Serie A and goals. Yeah, I mean it's just it's ridiculousness. It's ridiculousness on the nobody could have predicted this, and I don't care if you watch Zlatan play for you know the two years with the LA Galaxy and saw him do ridiculous things thinking that he had the physicality kevin to go back to uh you know a a place like italy and play and lead the way that he has is is something that you just can't fathom and he seems to be getting stronger not not weaker um despite the fact he's what 39 now almost 40 39 yep and and mino says he thinks he can play another five years can you bet against that i mean that's one of those things how much would you bet against that like i might bet a hundred dollars against that am i gonna bet a thousand dollars against that probably not but you know well would you leave him would you leave him unprotected in the syria a re-entry draft (laughs) no i wouldn't that's for sure yeah he would he would be protected uh uh, absolutely so i thought that was interesting all right um just uh, coaches and and i don't have any update on on where we're at with the LA Galaxy and where they're at in the coaching search. I imagine that while it will be quiet in terms of their outward appearance, I would imagine the LA Galaxy uh, must be closing in on a decision. I would imagine that the uh, the first round of interviews have already gone through. I would imagine there might be some seconds or thirds that you call back. You may also be waiting for some coaches. Maybe they're waiting on a coach who just got done with an MLS Cup and uh, they're trying to figure out what he's doing. Um, so there's all sorts of things that could sort of be up in the air with the LA galaxy uh but i know kevin you were sort of looking at the history of of coaching um and la galaxy players coaching and and you were you were a little surprised and and i know some people will be surprised some people won't be surprised uh but there are a lot of former la galaxy players who are who are coaches uh in and around the league yeah this this stunned me and it may not stun people who you know they know the galaxy's history much better than i do but if you remember the first name out of the gate was robbie Keane, and the galaxy very swiftly but very quietly pushed back on that saying uh, you know they didn't want to insult Robbie of course but they said look he's never been a head a head coach never been a manager anywhere um, this is not an entry-level job and so I started looking around okay well you know if if Robbie went to the top of the list because he's an alumni who who else around there might they look at um, here's a guy who's not coming back but Steven Gerrard you know he went to Rangers in Scotland two and a half years ago and finished second his first two seasons in two and a half seasons at Rangers, he's 59, 10, and 15. Um, his team has not lost a game this season. Uh, that's preseason. That's uh, Europa League. That's in the Scottish First Division. They've outscored their opponents 47 to 4 in league play. They're 15, 0, and 2. They have a 13 point lead over Celtic after 17 matches. So uh, Steven Gerrard is just off the hook good at this managing thing, but he's not coming back to MLS. He didn't like it here, and, and I, don't, I don't see him coming back. I think he believes that he may be on that Alex Ferguson fast track from Scotland to the Premier League, and I'm sure he's going to wait for that. But, you know, if you look at the very first year, 1996, the first Galaxy roster, there are five guys who were head coaches in MLS on that roster. Uh, Greg Vani, um, Kurt Anafo, Kobe Jones, Chris Armas, and Robin Frazier. Um, you know, three of them still around coaching. Um, the sixth one, Jorge Salcedo, was the a head coach at UCLA. Um, there were um, three others were assistants, Ante Razov, uh, Dan Collegeman, and David Kramer. Um, they also had a guy who, uh, Andrew Shue, who was a TV star in Melrose Place. But if you go on, I mean, you know, Landon Donovan, famously with the San Diego Loyal this season, 
Greg Berhalter, now coach of the U.S. national team, he was a Galaxy player. Mike Munoz, who now manages Toronto FC2 and was the Galaxy 2 coach for a while. Um, you know, you, it just the list just goes on and on, even down to um, um, Edson Buttle, who is now the first-year manager at Westchester Flames in USL League 2. Um, Galaxy guys who have gone on to become assistants like uh, Chris Mathis, uh, Pat Noonan, Matt Reese, Jovan Kurowski, Ty- Tyrone Marshall, Ezra Hendrickson. There's just a ton of guys. And I, I think this really speaks to um, not only the history of the franchise, but just how good a franchise, um, it, it, you know, with the exception of maybe the last three or four seasons, but just how good a franchise the Galaxy has been and how they've done everything right. It's become not just a great team on the field, but it's become a finishing school for managers and coaches. And, and even you were man, uh, you know, mentioning before we started recording, even front office people that have come through the Galaxy ranks and gone on to make their mark elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, you know, you talk about Chris Klein, which is one of those, uh, Pete Vianis, um, and certainly I think one of the, maybe the most underrated one, um, and certainly one that I think should find a way back to the LA Galaxy at some point is Todd Donovan, um, who's up with Sacramento, and Sacramento getting ready to come in Major League Soccer, so Todd Donovan could be a, a Major League Soccer general manager. Um, well, imagine if the Galaxy had a, uh, I don't know, an opening in their presidential office yes, somewhere at yeah. some time, I mean, perhaps, you maybe. Would- Maybe. Who knows? Never. I mean, don't. First of all, I would say that the current state of the L.A. Galaxy fan base would tell you don't give them false hope like that. Uh, (laughs) Okay, I would I would say they're like, wait, wait, Kevin's dropping. Kevin's not dropping any hints. He was just suggesting that perhaps in the future there might be an opening there one day if it happens, if it happens. Correct. Not that it's going to happen. I I can tell already people are like, oh, Panda's dropping knowledge. No, that's not what's happening here. I'll tell you when that is. Um, so that's, that's not I, what I saw. I saw a bed sheet the other day. <laughs> I, I was, there's been, there's been a couple different signs out in front of uh, dignity health sports park that have had, uh, have, have had, uh, their meanings. Let's just put it this way. Their meaning was not left up to, to sort of question you. You knew what they were trying to say. Um, so, so you look at that and, and say, yeah, I mean, all those things are, are possibilities. I mean, you know, there's, there's a bunch of talk about a different players and certainly look at the the other head coaching vacancies and it looks like those guys have some people pegged the fact that the la galaxy don't have a front runner right now outside of hey it's dominic near or outside of it's greg vanny i mean i would call those guys front runners but to be honest neither of them have been linked directly with the job they've been linked indirectly um, but i haven't seen anything that has put them in you know having somebody at the la galaxy or, or a source say that that's what's going to happen so I, it's just, it's, you know, it's and, interesting. And since we're turning that. the night, since we're turning the knife a little bit, anyways, I, I, and talking about the last four years, how different it is, you know, from the first, say, 21 years. When I first came over on the Galaxy Beat, I remember talking to Tim Lightwicky and, and Bruce Arena, and they introduced me to uh, Greg Berhalter, who at that time was playing for the Galaxy, but was he was introduced to me by Bruce as a player coach. Um, and Tim Lightwicky said, this is a guy who was on the fast track. We think he's going to be a really good coach. And so if you remember, they sent him to Europe and where he coached a, an AEG team for a couple of seasons and came back. And and we know that Tim Lightwicky was right about that. Um, you know, he talked to me about how he thought that Chris Klein was going to become a really good executive. Um, and that was kind of a finishing school for him. And, and Vanny went through that same thing. The, the point is that the Galaxy under Lightwicky and, and Bruce at, at that time – 
they brought people back. Remember, they brought Burhalter back. They brought Vanny back. He was there before, went away, came back. Um, I don't know if he came back in the Bruce years, but my point is, at that time, the galaxy, the galaxy saw themselves as a finishing school, a place where people came to learn their craft, and and the galaxy thought that they would be useful down the road. Like Matt Reese came back as an assistant coach. Um, so that's how the galaxy used to operate. And I think they've gotten away from that. And maybe the league's just gotten too big and, and it was much easier to do that in the earlier days when they're, you know, when the the league was smaller and there weren't so many teams and maybe the level of play wasn't what it is now, but there was a time when the galaxy took that kind of stuff seriously. And, and it seems like, uh, you know, just from where I said, it seems like they've gotten away from that where right now they're focused and they should be focused on trying to turn this thing around and not necessarily uh, producing coaches for the future. Yeah, I think you have to have a solid organization underneath you uh, before you start to to really be able to to foray into those those little side deals of of producing coaches and and just you know uh, propagating your style of management, your style of play, your style of coaching uh, throughout the league through different players, different coaches, different things. So um, yeah, that that used to be the way. I don't think that's the way right now. Uh, let me circle back just a little bit, Christian Pavone and being on this reentry list. And, and just because I've been thinking about it more and I've been kicking it around, there's no, it feels to me like there's no option for the LA Galaxy not to have him listed as a reentry draft eligible player. Um, it seems unlikely anybody will pick him up, mostly because they don't have the relationship with Boca Juniors and it would be difficult for them to try to suddenly establish one by picking up Christian Pavone's option and then somehow doing a better job negotiating a, a deal than the LA Galaxy did. It's expensive, it's difficult. But with Major League Soccer rules, because Christian Pavone does not have a contract right now and he's out of contract because he his loan expired somebody has to hold his rights right that's what we always talk about with major league soccer and with players who aren't free agency it's whether or not you you have the players rights and the LA Galaxy currently have Christian Pavone's rights and because of that uh, because he doesn't have a contract they we need to determine how his rights or how his movement can happen and so in the major league soccer sphere of things here Kevin uh, what we're saying is basically that the LA Galaxy Galaxy don't have uh, don't have the option to keep him um, right now without a contract involved and without being able to. So his player movement option is this reentry draft uh, movement, which if he for some reason got picked up by another team, he wouldn't go there and he would just go back to Boca Juniors. And that's probably what's going to happen anyway. I don't think it indicates that the LA Galaxy have given up on this. Uh, it's just an MLS mechanism that they have to go through because he's eligible for it. And because he's eligible for it, per the collective bargaining agreement, it has to go through that way. See, um, clear clear as mud. Easy yeah, I know. It's Well, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm trying to sit here and think about why this would be this way. And that's what I can come up with and sort of kicking this around um, in a little circle. So it, to me, it doesn't indicate anything. It's just interesting. It was an interesting little tidbit there. Uh, again, I think it goes to the laughable sort of MLS rules and the gymnastics you have to do with your, your mind in order to try to figure all this stuff out, Kevin. Uh, but that's what it feels like for Christian Pavon right now is that nothing really is going to come of this. Everything remains the same. The Galaxy still have a chance to sign him. This Galaxy still could put him in. This doesn't put a you know an end to anything. I'll tell you, if somebody for some reason picked up his 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 rights <laughs> in the reentry draft, Kevin, that would be a whole... I don't even know what happened. MLS may have to shut down. Um, but some craziness might ensue. Um, that's for sure. So maybe it's a, a, a little tiny, it's never going to happen, but maybe keep your eye on it. Uh, watch thing for this December 17th re-entry draft, which 
I don't think is going to be televised and will probably just be acknowledged uh, by the moves that actually get made by Major League Soccer. Um, I wouldn't expect anything else to sort of happen unless the LA Galaxy pick up. Yeah, I, 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 maybe that's kind of why Mino and a lot of other agents really look down on MLS because they probably don't understand these rules either. I mean, could you imagine if like, uh, I don't know if Manchester city lost Kevin De Bruyne because they didn't, they left him unprotected on the expansion draft or the re-entry draft or whatever. I mean, uh, guys who have spent their whole life in soccer in Europe, I bet would have a, a real hard time adjusting to the rules here. Yeah. I mean, some of that, but at the same time, I mean, how much is that is really going to like affect somebody like Zlatan? I mean, Mino can't use that as, I mean, they, they knew coming to MLS on the TAM deal, what the rules were in terms of how much money they could pay Zlatan Ibrahimovic. And then the LA galaxy made that right in the second year. And he was a designated player and all those things worked out and blah, 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 however you want to look at it. So, I mean, the, the rules that Zlatan was sort of subjected to were, were minuscule whenever you talk about, you know, something that Rolf Felcher is going to be subjected to and re entry drafts and you know options declined and all sorts of rights being held i mean you know all those things are are are, are kind of beneath the zlatan level so i don't i don't buy that 100 percent. i think mino just likes the mouth off and that's what you hear on a regular basis so. but did you, did you see on social media just slightly before that came out zlatan sent a thing out about mino and said that, that you know he's the greatest agent in the world i'm so glad i have this agent uh, and then when when Mino came out with a statement, I wondered if that was if he was telegraphing that, hey, something's coming. You know, be, my agent's going to say something that's really interesting. Pay attention. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, those two work work hand in hand, so it doesn't surprise me at all. All right. Um, I think that's it. I think that's enough for for today. We've talked for way longer than I thought we would have on stuff that probably isn't that important. We'll go by the wayside. That's the thing. On Tuesday at three p.m., this will all happen quickly. Uh, the chances of an LA Galaxy player being picked, are, I think, are. I don't know, 40, 60 in, in terms of somebody being picked slash not being but picked. But you know what will happen? Because you talked about the 17th. By the time, if we come back next week, and I guess we'll decide if we're going to do a Christmas week pod right. sometime, but the roster could be pretty well set. I mean, at least the, the foundation of the roster could be pretty well set by then, right? Because we're going to be past the 17th. We're going to be... Nah, uh, I, I, don't think, I don't think so. Here's why. is Whenever you go through and look at the 17 players that are currently on the list, Kevin you can sit there and say there isn't really a, a starting lineup on there. And so the LA Galaxy have a lot of shopping to do in the offseason. Um, I'm just, I'm not buying, you know, they have 13, basically 13 <laughs> roster spots that they sort of have to put together. Although they're, they, the LA Galaxy did sign uh, three younger players. So basically you can say that there are 20, so they have 10 spots to fill. But of those 10 spots, I think like six or seven or even eight are going to be starters. Um, so it feels like there's going to be a lot of starters in the LA Galaxy have to figure out goalkeeping. I mean, there's a ton of stuff that happens um, between now and whenever they actually go into camp, you know, in February, that type of thing, um, or end of January, whenever that's going to start, however, whenever they decide that's going to start as well. So um, it just, I, these drafts are going to do relatively little. I don't think the LA Galaxy are going to go out and find any home runs. Uh, the free agency list is more interesting, but none of that has to happen right away. So that's still, you know, sort of off in the way. So. Uh, I Yes. I heard I heard Messi's unhappy in Barcelona. He is. Maybe they could look at it. That might be a guy. Hey, hey, remember, remember whenever GBS had the inside track on Messi? Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> the good old days, yeah. I'm sure he wouldn't mind uh, reaching out for the LA Galaxy and trying to get Messi at the LA Galaxy now, right? GBS is still getting paid, so why not? Uh, why not make him do some work? Memo um, Ochoa. There. <laughs> I, I don't know the. Yeah, I mean, there's all sorts of. That's the whole thing. I think that what we've seen so far in this wacky season is the lack 
of real rumors coming through because I can't put my finger on any of these and say that any of these are real or substantive or, or, or even probable. Um, so when you look at that, it's been, I think it's been really quiet um, in rumor land for the LA galaxy and everything else that's sort of in between there. So um, I've, it feels like that might be that way around the world with teams not necessarily making any huge moves and sort of well, trying to Well, they can't figure-, figure out the money. Nobody knows when are we going to have full uh, capacity in our stadiums? What's the TV rights situation is, you know, COVID's blowing up everywhere, not just here. Are we going to go dark again? Um, it, you know, when you're talking about spending 20 or $30 million in a transfer window, um, you got to know that you're going to be able to pay those bills. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and nobody knows that. And Don Garber was straight up about that. He's like, we don't know when people are going to come back. We don't know when, let's say people are allowed to come back. We don't know how comfortable they're going to feel coming back. So when can we expect, you know, the revenue streams to sort of come back and be the same that they were? Um, and those are all unknown. I, I agree. Those are unknown questions right now. We, we don't have the answers to those. Um, so yeah, it's, it's unknowns. And I think that unknown is going to play throughout the transfer window as well. Maybe there's some deals out there because of that. Um, maybe Christian Pavone ends up being the deal that happens. Uh, that. I, I, yeah, I mean, I think uh, th- that's what I've, I've thought all along is that the Galaxy do have they're they're getting hurt too. AEG is getting hurt just like everybody else. Um, but you know, if the if AEG if anyone has deep enough pockets to do that, it would be the Galaxy. And I I think they're going to get that Pavone deal done. My just sense is that Boca needs the money much more than they need the player, and that they'll take pennies on the dollar they're not going to get the 20 million they want they may not even get to 10 million that i thought the galaxy were going to pay it looks like it might be less than that but boca really needs some money so they may may be willing to take a deal yeah i don't know so all right uh you good uh yeah happy hanukkah happy hanukkah everybody uh holidays uh, again fast approaching for everybody so uh take your favorite holiday during this time and celebrate it um try to do that uh safely i think is the, is the best way i can i can parse that um, all right. If you're looking for Mr. Kevin Baxter on Twitter, it's at kbaxter11. And please head over to latimes.com for all the soccer writing. Uh, you can find him covering soccer in Southern California and around the United States as well. So latimes.com for that, at kbaxter11 on Twitter. If you're looking for me on Twitter, it's at jgesman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N. And, of course, at Galaxy Podcast, cornerofthegalaxy.com. All of our podcasts are up there. Uh, make sure you check that out as well. All right. For Mr. Kevin the Panda Baxter, I'm Josh Pato Gesman. You've been listening to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Have a great one, everybody. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. Fans, we thank you for listening, and we ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.